what I've noticed is that because we have this idealized notion of king and like what that is, it comes from God. It comes from the divine, like the masculine divine, God, the father and like the beloved, like that's really how I relate to it. That is perfect, right? That is eternal. That is there. That is something we can always fall back into as kind of that perfect masculine templates. And yet I think where women get stuck is that they think that their human man needs to be like that. Welcome to the Vibrant Flow podcast. This is where we reclaim our feminine essence and our right to luscious, soft, vibrant living the feminine way. If you are ready to release the old paradigms of hustle, perfectionism, being nothing but hard on yourself and the good girl syndrome, and just step into your feminine power, deeper faith, queenly living and the vibrant flow, you are in the right place. I am here to support you and to hold you accountable in your sweet feminine homecoming. Okay, sister, let's jump right in. All right, welcome everyone back to the Vibrant Flow podcast. Today I'm talking to Claudia Phillips. She is a certified sex, love, and relationship coach whose mission is to help heal the great divide that exists between men and women on this planet, fall back in love with one another, and enter into and thrive in union. Yes, we are here for that. She and her husband work with women all over the world to heal their relationship with the masculine and attracting, lasting, ecstatic union with their beloved. And if I correctly remember, your Instagram account name is Ecstatically Ever After. Isn't that right? That is correct. Yes. I love that name, first of all. And I want you to tell us first why that name and then yes. you can go on like what led you to this work and all of your personal biggest aha moments. I'm sure we can't fill, you know, fit them all into this episode, but just, you know, some of the key points. I love that question. Nobody's ever actually asked me that before, um, which is really fun. It's fun to answer this question because it's, yeah, kind of a new one for me. But ecstatically ever after... I think I'm just an ecstasy junkie. Like, I know that sounds, may sound weird, but like. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I had my like wild times when I was in my twenties. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit, I wouldn't like say I was like hardcore, like drugs or anything like that. But like, I, I did do a lot of like shamanic medicine work at that time. And there was, there was this desire. I think we all have as women to experience ecstasy in our bodies and our systems. And so I'm sort of out of that world at this point. I'm completely out of this world at that point. But like, it was something that I was able to learn how to tap into within my own being. And I think we have that as women, we have this capacity to activate our biochemistry in a way that you know, allows for the oxytocin and the serotonin and the dopamine to just flow. And we have this capacity through embodiment and our union with our beloved and the divine to create ecstasy in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is so deeply 
a part of the work that I do because I'm not somebody who's ever just like to kind of settle for like feeling okay. Like I want to feel, I really want to feel good. I want to feel ecstatic. I want to feel alive. I want to feel fully here in my body feeling incredible. And like, of course I don't always hit that mark, but that's always my desire. Like that's, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, and I think there's almost, there can be a little bit of a, oh, why are you chasing that? What, you know, you shouldn't be chasing that. Like, oh, you should just, you should just feel like, like your feelings don't matter. And I think that's something that we as women have been told a lot. Um, and yet we have, we're, we're built this way. We're built to tap into these ecstatic states of consciousness that through our bodies and, and through our embodiment. Mm. And so that's why this name came from my brand a number of years ago. Cause it's, it's always been such a deep practice for me is to find these ecstatic states of being within myself. Mm, I love that. And it's just, you know, combining that with like union, yes. marriage and all of that is just, you know, I'm so on board for that. But first <laughs> I want to ask like, what, how do you define ecstasy? Because it's, it's interesting because I've, yeah. I've had to study the word for completely different purposes as a as a linguist and as a philologist yes. and um historically with different traditions and all of that and and I've yes. noticed that there are very different tra- um traditions different definitions and and um focus points for that so what does ecstasy mean for you Yeah I mean I love that question Ex- ecstasy to me feels almost like it almost feels like a, a trance-like state. It's something that's transcendental. It's something that is beyond our normal state of consciousness. It's something that is, it's the ecstasies. It's like the, it's like that. I think it's a Greek word. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's the being filled with something beyond ourselves, like going, it, there's something very transcendental about it. And yet in the body, like the feminine body, it feels very imminent too. It's very embodied. It's not so up and out at least for me. And I think for us as women, it's something that we experience when we go in. Right. Um, so I would say it's, it's beyond our normal human state of consciousness where we're just kind of going about our day, doing our thing. It's something deeper. It's something richer. It's something fuller. It's something that like is, is almost trance-like in nature. And yet it's totally here. It's totally imminent. It's totally embodied. Right. That's for me that, that feels like it. And it's almost like I'm being filled with something beyond my normal human self, my, my, my normal human way of thinking, my normal human way of doing, I'm being penetrated. I mean, it's, it, for me, it's like a, a feeling of being penetrated by the divine. Right. Right. Yeah. Makes total sense. And comparing this to like the normal day to day, because we, I would say that in many ways we go about our days in a certain type of trance, which is not the type that you're talking about. It's like this, this, you know, just, you know, go about your day, not even being present, just, you know, do the things and the routines and, and you're just on autopilot. Right. Yeah, that's what people experience, and and that is the complete opposite of of feeling 
ecstasy or even sometimes joy because so yes. many women are so used to just going about their day like blah 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 it's like you know this autopilot auto automatic programming it you know goes on when you wake up and you go to bed and it's just you know repeat 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 and yes. you come to this realization especially if you're married and in that relationship <laughs> you come to this realization that this is what's happening this is like yes. i don't even I'm not even sure if I'm able to enjoy any of this. Like, I'm not even present. I'm just numbed out. I'm just doing all the things and yes. living living the normal life, whatever that is. Um, what would you say to a woman who, let's say she comes to you and she's like, I'm curious about this, this thing that you're talking about, but gosh, like my life is just <laughs> numbed out. Mm. I'm just so used to this program. I'm not even sure what's happening, but every time I wake up, it's just the same old, same old every mm. day. Repeat, repeat. Mm. I love that question. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. So many of us have been conditioned to just live our lives day to day with kind of a sense of the mundane without ever really tapping into these ecstatic states of consciousness. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. And we can kind of jump into a couple of those, John, if, if that's okay, is like, I think women have been conditioned not to feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We have been conditioned to believe that our feelings are bad or wrong or somehow dangerous. They can be overwhelming. Like, as you know, we've, like women, I think in our essential nature, we feel things deeply, yeah. right? We, we. Our, our lived experience, our felt sense is very much feelings-based. It's very somatic. I believe this is how we are born and we are conditioned out of it. And so, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, there's, there's the cultural thing around, you know, women being considered hysterical or Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, if, yeah. if you, if you're feeling a lot, if you have big emotion, yes, we can also use that, uh, you know, the, the, the contrast of ecstasy is of course, agony. And when we project our agony onto another person, often our male <laughs> partners or our, our husbands, then I think that emotionalism, the, our, our, our big emotions as women can, can be they can be toxic, right? They can be in shadow. They can be used as a weapon against the masculine, against our, our, the person that we're supposed to love the most. Mm. And I think men internalize that they take it on and they see it as, wow, I've failed, right? She's, she's in agony. Mm. Yeah. That means something about me. Yeah. Therefore I'm going to respond by shaming this, or I'm going to respond by shutting this down, or I'm going to respond by saying that women are hysterical or whatever. So there's a lot of reasons for it. Also just, I think emotions are not fully understood. I think emotional intelligence is just a conversation that we're really only starting to have in the last couple of decades. It's not something that is has been um, recognized as something real. Um, until very recently. Right. And so there's a lot of reasons, like we're supposed to be up here. We're supposed to be in our heads. We're supposed to be thinking we're supposed to be very rational. And 
there's nothing wrong with using that part of our, our brains, right? Using our rational minds, but being able to feel it's like, it's such a gift. And it's such a gift that we have as women is like feeling things. Right. And so for that woman, I would say your first step is just to begin to feel. It's just to begin to like feel sensation in your body without judgment. Like being able to just notice, being able to track, taking five minutes here, 10 minutes there to just being like, wow, what am I actually feeling inside my body right now? Am I feeling, and if it's just numbness, like feeling that, like giving space to like feel your numbness, like what does numbness feel like inside of my body? Okay. It feels kind of like, I don't feel any sensation. Okay. Well, that's a start <laughs> right? to be able to be like, oh, I'm not feeling anything. Well, that's actually feeling something because you're sensing the numbness. So once we can kind of begin to feel, and, and uh, so that's a big part of it, I think it's just being able to slowly, slowly build up the capacity to feel. And then we want to also with that, we want to start creating like safety in our system. Mm. We want to start feeling safe. We want to start going in. We want to start feeling like, wow, I'm, I'm in my body. I'm not up here. I, it's safe to be in here. It's safe to just feel my feet on the ground. It's safe to just feel like my hips sitting on the chair it's safe to just feel that and like holding that space of safety inside of our systems. And so we can begin to feel, and we can begin to melt the layers and layers and layers of numbness. So we can, and maybe we don't shoot for like ecstasy immediately. <laughs> maybe yeah. we shoot for like just being able to feel and then build up our capacity to feel more and more and more and more over time. So, I, you know, I, I always have a very kind of trauma informed approach to this because I used to go big or go home. Like I would be like, yeah, I'm going to take yeah. the plant medicine and go for the, mm. the big ecstatic experience, but it was, it was too much. Right. And so yeah. I really love the system. It shocks right? the system. Mm -hmm. It's too much too soon. And so I love to support women in just feeling, feeling safe, first of all, creating that safe container for them to actually feel. And then slowly, slowly, slowly sensing slowly, slowly feeling the felt sense at the somatic level to just be able to, okay, wow, I'm feeling some contraction in my belly. Okay. I'm feeling some tightness in my heart. Okay. I'm feeling a little tension in my shoulders. I'm feeling a little tightness in my jaw. And like with that, we can begin to sense and we can begin to unwind and we can begin to be here and we can begin to feel. Mm. And then from there, it's like, where do I want to go from here? And that can be a process of moving through stuff, tension and layers and numbness and tightness and stuckness and all the things. But like there is, there is a part of you that is already accessible, like the part of you that can already access ecstasy. And there's probably just layers sitting on top of that, that are not letting you fully do that. Right. Exactly. So every woman has the capacity to feel more. Yes. And I just, that's something I always want to say to my ladies that it doesn't matter if, if all you feel right now is pain, because that, that was me for years. And, yes. um, just, you know, sometimes it can bring a lot of like 
despair and, and just feeling like, well, if this is what it's always been like, so it's not going to change. And uh, you just take it for what it is. And, and that's not the truth. That's not the truth of the matter. At least we are, our brain, our bodies, our nervous systems are very much capable of, of, um, building new neural pathways, building all of that, the, the, all the sensations we can, we can experience something that we've never experienced, for, you know, in decades or ever in our lives. So it, there's hope for everyone. Right. Yeah. There really yeah. is. And it, it, it all comes back to like, just taking that one step slowly, slowly starting to feel it's, it's, and just remembering it's safe to feel, even if there is pain right now, it's mm -hmm. like, it's safe to feel even the pain. Yeah, that is it. So one of the things that I learned in my healing journey is that what kept me stuck was the story and the fear I attached to the sensation. So yes. if there was pain present, oh my gosh, like I'm I'm now I'm not panicking about the pain. I'm mm -hmm. attaching all these stories about it like, okay, this is going to be the rest of my life. Yes. And that fear loop is what keeps you in pain. It's not actually the, you know, the sensation itself, but it is the perception of it. And That's how right. you sort That's of right sort of latch onto it and grip it and then you're like oh like i have this like analogy of of you being on a roller coaster and then you grip it so hard you're you're sitting in the cart and and i <laughs> just you know gripping super hard squeezing your eyes tight shut and then the ride is over you don't even realize it you're on to the second ride you're on to the third ride you're on to the fourth yes. ride and that's what yes. it is. Wow. Yeah, that's a quite the analogy. I think that's how a lot of people are living life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're not realizing that they can hop off. <laughs> right. Yes. I'm, I'm really they, curious. Oh, go go ahead. Yes. Oh, like, well, I've, I've, I think part of my like ecstasy chasing when I was younger was like, I loved roller coasters. And I was always like chasing that sensation of like, high, right. But, uh, you know, if it feels like it's just too much, if it feels like it's overwhelming, like again, decoupling from the meaning that we're making in our minds, the story, like you said, like, like seeing if we can just detach from that and just being with the sensation and like trusting that it's safe. The sensation is not going to kill you. Yeah. The sensation doesn't mean anything. It's just sensation moving through your body. And that's all it is. And if we can just detach from the story and just feel that's where the emotional alchemy takes place. And that's where we can begin to shift and we can begin to feel all like our way all the way through and we can resolve whatever pattern is there. Mm, exactly. Exactly. So I'm really <laughs> curious about, so you talk about like King energy yes. And union and all of the stuff that I'm so like on board with. Let's yes. say my listener is like, oh yeah, I am ready to attract a king into my life. Where do we start? Like what <laughs> what what is our responsibility in that picture? Let's say I'm yes. I'm a woman, I'm single, I I'm so ready to meet a king. And I, I want this beautiful union that's filled with ecstasy. What is my responsibility in this picture? 
Yeah. So I feel like so often we want to jump to the action, like the doing of what do I do or what do I say or what do I put on my profile or whatever. These things are important, but they're much less important than like us doing the emotional alchemy work first and creating that, what I call, it's almost like we want to create that template within our own body mind within our own system to align with that. So the work that I do with women is there's a lot around doing like the inner piece, like the inner work first, and then we move to the outer work. So we really create like almost like a blueprint inside of your own system, inside of your own heart, inside of your own body to be able to receive that. And so there's a few different pieces within that, that I'd be happy to share with you. But what I would just advise people or what I would really suggest is not just jumping immediately into the doing and just let, like, let there be a little bit of a journey, like a preparation journey, even before you throw your you know, you start going out there and you meet, meeting all these men and start looking for your king. Like there's a little bit of a preparatory process. And for me, and like the work that I do with my clients, it's like that a lot of that is we have to look at our own shadow and we have to see how it is that we have been relating to men and masculine energy. Like what stuff we're holding onto from the past, what wounds, what shadows, what imprints are we holding inside of our systems that come from past relationships, come from childhood, come from past lovers or past, you know, exes or whatever, where we're holding on a specific, we're holding on to a specific type of masculine energy of how we relate to men. I mean, so many of the women come into my work and they're like, Claudia, you're talking about kings. You're talking about good men. You're talking about healthy masculinity. I don't even know what this is. Mm. I've never even experienced this. So we want to clear this stuff out. And we do this again through descending into the body, feeling our way through each pattern, bringing love and safety and acceptance to these parts of us. And letting them just gently unwind from the body and so they can clear and they can create this sort of new, fresh space within our systems to be able to see men in a whole new way. So that's, I mean, that's so much of it is just like creating a whole different blueprint around how it is that you relate to men. And women have, you know, I always talk about it in terms of like there's two shadow types of men that women tend to attract. So it's either They're like men who are, and I think we see this a little bit more in our culture right now, men who are kind of weak, men who are incompetent, men who are incapable, men who are absent. Many of us had like absent fathers who weren't really present with us. And so often that shows up if we we're holding onto that, or if we have some of that conditioning from the past, some of that wounding, we'll meet men often who are not available, men who are not showing up, men who are not present, men who are not willing to like claim or step in and step up and like be there fully for us. Or 
women will attract men who are more on like the tyrant side of things. So there's like the weakling and the tyrant. This is actually from that book, uh, King Warrior, King Warrior, Magician Lover. If you haven't, have you? No, sure you've read that. no. Who, who's the author? It's um, I think it's Doug Douglas Gillette, and maybe it's it's kind of from a Jungian perspective. It's it's a really great oh, study okay. of mm-hmm. masculine archetypes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, there, but these four archetypes, King Warrior, Magician Lover. He talks about the king and how often it's like there's a shadow king that women often attract, which is either like a weakling or a tyrant. So the tyrant is more of the typical, like what we think of as quote unquote, toxic masculinity, even though I'm not a huge fan of that term. Um, but it's more of the man who's domineering. He's really controlling. He's jealous. He's possessive. He is maybe, um, He's just not somebody that you would want to trust. And so often we have one or the other of these two. And and the work that I do is a lot around like clearing this out. And so we can attract what I would call like a a a good a good king or like a, a noble king or a, a yeah. yeah, that that type of man that's women, a healthy masculine man. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it starts within, right? Yeah. That's I right. I totally, totally agree. And that's that's the responsi- responsibility that we have. So let's say that um woman is currently attracting either or the, the weakling, the passive man, or the tyrant. Yes. What what would you tell her? Yeah. So what I would take her through, I would guide her through a process of feeling into her body of like where it is that this pattern is stuck. So what we would do, I would have her like visualize this man or this energy, like this particular type of man she's attracting, or it could be like a man from her past, or it could be her father if he she was this way. And I would just have her like emotionally process like what she feels inside of her body. So she's she's attracting this type of man it's eliciting a certain sensation. It's eliciting a certain emotion inside of her. So first I would just let her kind of like, like just totally express anything she needs to say directly to this man. So just let her vent, let her purge, let her just get all of her emotions out. And so that can just begin to move through the body. We're not in this rigid, oh, I have to think perfect. I have to be perfect. I have to you know, think all the right thoughts. It's like just letting herself kind of vomit up, vomit up the emotional energy in her body. And then I would take her through like a forgiveness ritual around just letting go, giving anything that she's holding onto from this man, giving it back to him. And then I would just, yeah, I would, I would really like invite her to soften her heart and even see perhaps hold compassion in her heart for this man like really feeling into that forgiveness, feeling into that compassion, feeling into perhaps where he has been coming from. Not that she has to keep being in, you know, attracting this type of man in relationship, but it's like that attachment that we create, that bond that keeps us attracting that same type of person. So the more we can forgive, the more that we can even have compassion for this type of person that's been showing up in our life over and over and over again, then we actually create space for something else. And then I would invite her to like visualize like what, who it is that she wants to attract. Like, 
and then invite her to hold that in her body and let that settle and let herself feel safe to like be with this type of man versus the other. Yes, exactly. And I think we both want to say that it is possible for all of you 100%, listening. 100% possible. Because I, I think that there are a lot of women who are just, you know, in the depths of despair, I guess, when it comes yeah. to this. And that they can't change the pattern because it's so deeply rooted from their childhood, for example. Yes. And all of that. But it is possible. It's so it. possible. It really is. It's just, it's, it's hard because so many women want to look externally and be like, oh, there's no good men. All men are toxic. All men are this, all men are that. It's so not true. <laughs> like, I, I believe that most men are good men. Most men are, are flawed, right? Like they have, nobody's perfect. Right. And I think sometimes we can like get into this delusion of being like, Oh, I'm going to attract the perfect man and the perfect yeah. king and the perfect fairy tale relationship. Right. I'm not, you know, I, I, I love fairy tales as kind of archetypal journeys, but they're fairy tales, right. They're not reality mm -hmm. you can yeah. draw on them for inspiration, but they're not actually real life. So that's one thing I would advise against is like, even if you have been attracting a certain type of man, what I notice a lot of women, it's like, I I've, I've only been attracting this type of relationship, this type of man again and again and again, it's not what I want. And now I'm going to set my standards so high Yes, yeah. that no man could, no mortal male human, you know, oh, yeah, I've noticed the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> meet this standard. It's like, it's, so there's a sweet spot, right. Of like, we want, we want to attract King, but we also want to be able to be with his humanity. Right. We also want to be able to like with his human self, who is flawed and not perfect, just like you, just like yeah. us. Right. Yeah, exactly. We wouldn't want to be with someone who is like looking at us with a with a magnifying glass to see all our flaws and be like, you're not perfect. I'm not going to be with you. You're not yeah. this princess that I've read in a story. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, exactly. I can't do that with men either. And I'm so, so agree with you with that. Like sometimes I guess it's because we do talk a lot about like this King energy and Yes. And the fact, you know, masculinity and, and we appreciate it so highly. And I, that is so necessary in this world. Absolutely. But then in yes. certain like bubbles, it, it it just, you know, turns into this fantasy. Yes. Pretty much like and then and then it's easy to sort of like fall into this fantasy yes. Imagining like, okay, there's this perfect guy out there and 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 you're sort of idealizing the whole yes. concept of masculinity and manhood. And we can't yes. idealize it. That's that's actually where we go astray. Yeah. Just like with femininity, it's not, I mean, it's it's not perfect, and we know it. And it's yes. we're flawed humans. And that's where the beauty is. Like you, yes. you will come into a union with a flawed person, but that is still worthwhile. Oh, can we talk about this some more? Because yes, <laughs> yes we can. I feel like this is one of those topics that I want to write a post about soon because it's like, it's like not being talked about enough. I feel like one of the things that 
you know, when, especially when we're like coaches or something, we want to, we want to sell the King, right? Like we want to sell the, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) present this like amazing thing. And yes, like that is, I, I absolutely believe that that is something that we want to do and definitely a noble endeavor. And what I've noticed is that because we have this idealized notion of King and like what that is, it comes from God. It comes from the divine, like the masculine divine, God, the father, and like the beloved, like that's really how I relate to it. And that is perfect, right? That is eternal. That is there. That is something we can always fall back into as kind of that perfect masculine template. And yet I think where women get stuck is that they think that their human man needs to be like that. Mm -hmm. Mm. And they can't accept an actual human man. And so it keeps them in this place where I'm like, oh, I can be in union with God. I can be in union with the masculine. I can be in union with like, you know, with Christ or the King or whatever, but like, I can't actually let, I can't actually let myself have a a, a human man because it's not perfect enough. So I think this is just honestly, you know, if you think about it, like attachment theory style, like you're talking about attachment styles, this is just avoidance, like 100%. Right. Yeah. We're avoiding Absolutely. intimacy. We're avoiding our humanity and his. We're avoiding the the reality, the 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 gritty, imperfect, raw, real nature of reality. And it keeps us away from true intimacy. I I believe that and, and true like human day-to-day relating. So, you know, I forget the book. It's like after the ecstasy, do the dishes or something like there's some book that's like, (laughs) that's like that is like, we have, we can, we can be ecstatic with our partners, with our husbands, with our beloveds, but we can, we can have that union as like the, the ideal, but then also we have to be able to like come back here and now and like be, in our humanity, let him be in his humanity, let give him grace. And I think this is something that women have such a hard time with Mm -hmm. is giving their man grace, giving men grace. It's like, we want him to be perfect. We want him to be daddy. We want, you know, we want him to like be all the things. And yet he's not, he's not those things. He's, he's, imperfect, just like you. And I, you know, I know you're married, so I'm, I'm, you probably know what I'm talking about. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And it's just like unconsciously what happens is that we're looking for a man who fills all of the categories that the masculine can fill. Like he's a man who is at at the same time. He's a God. He's 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 (laughs) like he's he's your father. He's your brother. He's your lover. He's, you know, all of the boxes, like checking all the boxes, which is not going to happen. Okay, And he's not supposed to. Okay. He's not we, supposed to. Yeah. We that's like I mean, that's actually idolatry in a way. If we try to lift him up into a position that he doesn't be, like that doesn't belong to him and that puts so much tension on mm. the relationship because like you said, men feel when like they really feel that in, sensation when they let us down or when they perceive yes. that they've let us down when we're having whatever is going on and 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 usually 
a man does feel like he's letting you down. And I've noticed this so many times with my husband, things yes. that are not even related to him, but he takes this as his responsibility because, yes. you know, he has a good heart and, and that's his masculinity drives him to feel that. But he also needs yes. to like he gets to realize that that everything is not on him. And yes. I I'm able to hold myself also. And I'm yes. able to feel and I have that capacity to, to do that. But oh my gosh, if we put that expectation on a man, you need to be everything to me. Like you just, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, literally yeah. imagining like you, you're saying yes in front of the priest and, and you have yes. your vows, you've written out your vows and you're like, you are going to be everything to me. <laughs> and if you mess up, oh gosh, you're going to get hell. <laughs> you know yeah. that is not that's that's a lot to take and no man is able to handle that and then as you said previously there are lots of ways that they then react and then we we misinterpret and you know cue all of these communication issues and expectations and, and whatnot yes <sighs> Like, I just want to sing this from the rooftops, like let every one woman, every woman know this, like this exact conversation that we're having, because it's so, it's like the shadow side of this work. It really is. And I've seen it a lot with women who have a really hard time attracting a man because they have such high standards for themselves. They have such impossibly high standards for men. And it's like, no one is ever good enough. And that's often a direct reflection of her, like never feeling good enough within herself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that when I'm being critical of myself, when I'm going through like really like these, I don't know, waves of self-criticism, mm. that that is when I reflected back to my husband. And I've had to be really intentional about that so that it doesn't happen. That is the moment yes. when I start to see like all of his flaws immediately. And it is just me totally. projecting what, what's going on underneath 100%. everything. That's, yeah. So there's a lot of self-responsibility that we, we need to be aware of and acknowledge. Yeah, it's, it's truly like it truly, truly, truly. And again, having like, I understand that women and I totally feel like women should want this, right? Like we, we want a protector. We want a provider. We want a leader. We want a lover, like all of these things. And that's right. Right. Like that's right for you to want these things. But the shadow side of that is not making him responsible for you as if he were like, because I think this is like a father wound that often goes back to early childhood of just like, and we're, we're just looking for that like that, that wound to finally be resolved through another person. It's like, if I could just get this man to take care of me, if I could just get this man to be everything that I needed dad to be, but he wasn't, then I would finally feel okay about myself. I would finally feel okay about life. I would feel finally like I could rest. I would be safe. I would be loved. All would be okay. And I've fallen into this too. Like, oh my God, I'm just projecting onto a man to be the fulfillment of all my, you know, childhood 
daddy issues. And I'm like, no, (laughs) it's like not, you know, so we have to be able to hold yourself. As we say, we have to be able to kind of repair in these parts of ourselves and allow the divine to, to, to reparent us as well, because that's not, it's not our, it's not his job. And it's, it's never meant to be, it was never meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So lastly, um, let's say now we are in a relationship, we're getting married and there are you know, we have these hiccups. Yes. And it seems like the relationship, but it feels like there's no polarity in the relationship Mm. anymore. Yes. And that can be a hard, or if the woman has this language, many women don't even, you know, use the terms polarity, what, what not, you know, but let's just say the spark isn't there. That's just like something that most, most people understand what it means. So first of all, that's a tough situation to be in because I've been there. Yes. But what would you like to say to a woman who is like, this is not what I wanted, or this Mm. is just not, you know, it doesn't feel anything close to ecstasy. I want a union, but this ain't it. Where do we start? Oh, so good. Such a great question. Um, and there's many pieces and layers to this, but I want to keep it simple. And I feel like if there was like one thing that we could do that would give us the most bang for a buck, so to speak, would be to restore respect to your man. I really feel like most of the, like when we fall out of polarity, it's because we're not respecting him. It's not because it's, it's not because he's not enough. It's not because he's not masculine enough. It's not because he's not this or that. It's like, we've lost sight of the original reason why we chose him. Oh yeah. To begin with. It's like remembering that, like, why did you choose this man? Why did you say yes to this man? Why did you say yes in front of, you know, God and in front of your family and friends, like, why did you say yes to this man? And remembering those reasons as the first place to start in restoring that respect. And then just remembering, wow, this man, I chose him for a good reason. You didn't make a mistake. You chose him for a good reason. You didn't, you weren't just like, oh, I'm just going to choose. Like, no, you made a choice. And you made a choice for good reason and coming and and really remembering that and journaling about that and seeing those qualities within him now, because depending on how long you've been together, maybe there's years or maybe there's decades or maybe there's months, but we can all remember that that man is still there. That man that you married, he's still there. And there's a reason why you married him. And that reason is usually the, the ticket to getting back into union, getting back into polarity with him and restoring that respect. And when he feels respected, he rises to the occasion. And then when we trust him more, and then when we respect him, he rises to the occasion and we trust him more. And then that trust and that beautiful interrelational dance begins to happen organically all through our own respect and remembrance of why this man is our man, like why we chose him, 
why we decided to devote our lives to him. That's really what it's about. Oh, that's so important. Oh, it's just so, so, so important. I feel like when you're in that moment, when when you don't feel the feelings, right? Mm. Let's say you've fallen out of love or that's what it feels like. It is a choice to see then, to to really look for the reasons and remember the reasons why you chose this man. And yes. because, because we can't wait for that, you know, emotional motivation to be like, oh, I feel like respecting him today. Ooh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, it, it needs that's, to be a choice. Right. Intentional. Absolutely. And that is the power of feminine influence is that it comes from, it doesn't come through us observing something he's doing and being like, okay, now I can check off the boxes that he's earned my respect, mm -hmm. right? We have to let go of that. I think that's a huge thing that women have. It's like, he has to prove himself. He has to earn my respect. He has to do this long list of things in order to be worthy of my respect. Well, that's not true because, <laughs> because he's worthy of your respect because he's your husband. He's worthy of your respect because he's your, he's your guy. Oh yeah. Like there isn't this condition, like respect has to be given unconditionally. I, I believe at least, you know, when we're in courtship, when we're dating, it's a little bit different. Um, there is kind of a, yes, he's showing us there is almost like a, I wouldn't say proving, but it's, it's yeah. like, there's a discernment of like, okay, yes. we're going to, he, he, he can kind of win out. Right. Um, but it's not like that in marriage and that the dynamic has to shift for us to just, he needs to be able to feel safe that he, we respect him unconditionally. And then he can't just like fall out of our favor. Um, just because we're having a moment of, Oh, he didn't do enough for me. I'm not going to respect him. That's that's very conditional love. And you know, we're always going to have conditional love to some degree like in relationships. So again, this is not about being perfect, but it's just about remembering like how important respect mm -hmm. is for a man. And it's like oxygen, right? And if he doesn't have that, he's going to go a little nutty. He's gonna, he's going to act a little crazy. Yeah. It's like if we don't feel loved, if we don't feel safe, we act a little crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's so true. Women feel like, yeah, exactly like you said, he needs to prove himself so that I can respect him. That's yes. how it's working. He's not doing all those things. And then I can just imagine millions of wives <laughs> bitch, bitching about their husbands to their best friends. Like, he's not doing this. He's not doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't respect him. He's lost my respect. And, and it's just, you know, really hard. And I'm not going to do this until he changes, you know, all yeah. of that. It's just, you know, story. Yeah, that's time. like the fast, the fast lane to divorce. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so as hard as it can be in that moment, realizing your own responsibility. Okay. Mm -hmm. I may not feel like respecting him. I may not feel like appreciating him and admiring him all these things that men crave and and yearn for but the more i'm able to still choose that with intention mm. it's yes. going to shift everything it may take a while but it, it's going to shift like, it will yes. yeah so for the woman who is like 
I don't know, like this, this is not, this is not what I want. See that you do have power. And I love what you said about feminine power. What, mm. how, how would you like define feminine power? Just want to ask. <laughs> You're asking me all the best questions. <laughs> You're clearly a very good podcaster. Um, <laughs> Feminine and power. Yeah, that's a really great question. I think about it as like a soft power. It's the power of influence versus impact. It's a power of inspiration versus motivation. It's a power of the muse that when we embody the essence of muse and we relate to him as king, we we choose to see him as king or as you know, beloved or husband or whatever works for you in terms of that archetype, we have that power of influence to shift the whole dynamic of the relationship. We have this capacity to set and hold the tone of what it is that we would love to experience. So it's not like a power where we go in and we try and make him do something or get him to do better or improve the situation or, you know, get him to man up or anything like that, that will always 100% of the time fail. Unless you want a mother-son dynamic and your husband is on board with that. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yes. my guess is most of your listeners don't want that, right? We don't want a mother-son dynamic. We want like a husband and wife dynamic, right? We don't want that other thing. So feminine power is soft power, but it, it is powerful, but it's not, a, it's not a power over. It's like a power with it's, have you seen the movie? I'm not sure you've heard, you might've heard this quote because it's, it's somewhat well-known, I think at this point, but the movie, my big fat Greek wedding where I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a scene where the mother is talking to the daughter before she gets married. And she's like, yes, the man is the head of the household and the woman is the neck. And so she can turn the, she can turn the relationship in any direction she wants it to go. And she's being a little tongue in cheek here. So it's not like she, he's like a puppet on the string, but like it is this, we have this capacity to set the tone. We have this capacity to make or break a relationship. We actually have more power of influence in a relationship than Amanda's like, because it's, it's who we are as women. We're relational beings. It's our sort of our superpower. And when we can tap into this power, this relational power, when we can tap into this muse power and this power of influence, it's like, we don't have to worry about what he's doing because we are that powerful. And so it lets him off the hook. It puts the responsibility back on us, which is a lot. It can feel like, wow, this is a lot of responsibility, which a lot of women don't want to take on. And it's not responsibility in the sense that like it's your fault or it's some like burdensome thing. It's just like, no, you have the keys. You have the keys to like say whether your relationship works or whether it doesn't. You have that power. And that's an amazing, amazing gift. Exactly. Yes. Setting the tone. And just to, you know, clarify, I believe all my listeners 
do intuitively understand this, but it's not about manipulation or coercing or forcing. That's a very different texture, very different feeling, very different paradigm. 100%. Yeah. 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 Mm, Exactly. So this is about a relational dynamic where both parties are thriving. And obviously if there's forcing, coercing, manipulation that wouldn't that would not be the case right that would be disrespectful right that's not the type of power that's not even power that's something else that's not true power that's something else entirely that's like shadow yeah that's like trying to that's us trying to grasp at some sense of power when we're in a really desperate state oh yeah but that's not like the natural organic power of influence that we have it's something else entirely but we, the thing is women don't even, I think we just don't even realize that we have this power. And so we believe we need to push, we need to coerce, mm-hmm. we need to manipulate, we have to do, you know, we have to try and get him to do something. It's none of that. It doesn't even, it, it, we don't, but the thing is, we don't even have to do that. There's like, there's no reason for it because we have this other form of power, which feels a lot better to us. And it actually is much more likely to create the dynamic that we want. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you know, because it's not a type of thing that we see culturally, societally. We're we're just, you know, we see these women who are boss babes and and you know, just you know, shouting out instructions that th- those are the ones that are getting all the praise and and the applause. So, yeah, it, that's why we need to have these conversations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and yet, like those women are are usually not thriving in love, and those are the women who probably need this work the most. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> whether they're ready for it or not, I don't know. But yeah, yeah that is so true. I could go on and on with you, honestly. I know I'm, I'm it's really, so fun. Really sad that we we need to wrap this up here. Maybe we need to do a round two for for this conversation. But these have been just invaluable topics that we've dived into and or dove into and i love to hear before you go Mm. what do you most cherish about being a woman Mm. i love that um what i most cherish about being a woman i love that question for me it's like i think it goes back to that ecstasy piece I have this capacity to feel, I have this capacity to feel so much. There's such a richness there. There's like a tapestry and texture and it's such a gift to feel so much. And it can feel a lot like, like if we feel if we're not used to practicing like higher emotional states, it can feel like a lot. If you feel a lot and you're, you know, feeling despair or you're feeling grief or you're feeling a lot of rage, but like that is just one side. It's like, they're two sides of the same coin. It's like, we, we need to be able to embrace our full emotional range. And I feel like for me, that's the biggest gift to being a woman. It's like having that capacity to feel things so deeply. Cause if I was walking through this life numb, like I used to, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be here. Like truly. Mm, so good. So good. Claudia, before you go, tell us where we can find you online. Yes. Um, so 
Probably the best way is I have a Facebook group called the Kingdom of Lavish Love. And if you just go into Facebook and you search that group, it's the Kingdom of Lavish Love. Um, that's probably the best place to like, I'm probably the most present there, the most active. But um, my website is ecstaticallyeverafter.com. And I have like a little presentation up there on like the type of work I do with women that you can watch and yeah, see if it supports you. Yes. Amazing. And also on Instagram, ecstatically ever, ever after. Yes, and uh, that's and right. all the links will be in the, in the show notes for sure. All right. Oh my gosh. That was so good. Thank you, Claudia, so much for your time. I don't take thank it for you. granted. Joanna, and thank you. You're such an amazing interviewer. Like you're very gifted at this. So. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's fun to hear. Even on my period. Woohoo. <laughs> Even on your period. Well done. Yes. <laughs> Have you grabbed my free audio activations, Sensual Surrender, and your Feminine Morning Juice? These are beautiful guided meditations and embodiment practices for you to use on a daily basis to get back into your feminine radiance and feeling good in your body to support you in your feminine journey. You can download these activations for free by joining my email list and you will also get a bonus the perfume of my life workbook which is going to help you set the tone of your life and the effect that you want to have on others and it's just gorgeous go get the free bundle by joining my email list with the first link in the show notes below